A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hello, welcome to Writer's Routine. This is the podcast that opens the diary of an author's working day to look at how they plan, they plot and how they get their stuff published. This week, we're chatting to two authors, Elizabeth Foley and Beth Coates. They've published What Would Boudicca Do? Everyday Problems Solved by History's Most Remarkable Women. It's novelty non-fiction, but it's got a message and stories that are perfect for the 21st century. We talk about how they first started working together after a few drinks turned into busy Saturdays heading back to the office. Also, they work in publishing. They're both editors. So they kind of know their books. They know what needs to be out there. They know how it needs to market to sell so we'll find out how that helped them writing their own stuff in a little bit and you can hear why Moana can actually be quite helpful for an author quite a lot of the research and stuff for this book was done in my living room with my children watching Disney films on the telly (laughs) (laughs) so that's the opposite of your zen yeah white wow (laughs) did you find any Disney film was particularly good at keeping the cogs turning well the ones that I know really well I can then fade out very easily. So Moana, I'm very happy to work while Moana is on because I know that so well that my brain doesn't try and listen to it. So stick around. That's all on the way in this week's Writer's Routine. Hello, my name's Dan Simpson. Thank you so much for giving us a listen. Now, for the whole of November, Writer's Routine is supported by Scrivener. So I've got a quick question before we get right into today's guests. And I'm being deadly serious here. How would you like to make your writing day just so much easier, so much more organised, so much more streamlined? So Scrivener is a writing software and it's got everything that you need when you're working in one place. It's been recommended to me by umpteen authors now. They use it to get their own story down. And when I finally gave it a go, it becomes abundantly clear very quickly why they all love it and why they all use it every day. Scrivener, it takes the software tools used by writers all over the place and it puts them into just one place. It was made by a a writer who couldn't find what he needed for his own work, so he tailor-made what he and turns out every other author needs and he put it all in the same software. It helps you format your story and keep track of characters, plot lines, threads. It's got a corkboard on there as well which you can pin ideas to so you don't need like an actual gigantic physical one in the way clogging up your office. You can highlight things on there too. You can expand your research in Scrivener. Now it won't tell you how to write 
but it gives you everything that you need to start writing and then keep going and hopefully, fingers crossed, never stop. It will help you stop being scared of the blank page. And if you want an example of just how much the software is loved by authors and to make sure that I'm not lying for money, uh, search for Scrivener on Twitter uh, and you'll see nothing but glowing praise and examples of how it's helped other writers tell their stories. It's kind of like a word processor on steroids. Everything that you ever want for a writing software, I promise, it is in Scrivener. And for the rest of November, Scrivener, they're supporting the show. They're helping you out with a massive saving on their software. If you head over to literatureandlatte.com and use the code ROUTINE when you're checking out, you'll get 20% off Scrivener, which means that all of this writing help can be yours for less than 30 quid. Uh, The best part as well is that you get a free trial, so you can download it, have a play with it, see how good it is and how much it can help you out with your work every single day and then you can save some cash on it use the code routine when you're ready to buy to make your writing day so much easier why don't you give scrivener a go uh, head to literatureandlatte.com and use the code routine and you'll get 20 percent off by the way this week i'm recording in my i guess some would say cozy flat in south london So if it sounds a little bit woody and echoey, if you can hear banging and drilling going on outside, that'll be why. Don't worry, bear with it. We will be with this week's guests before you know it, because we've got two uh, on the show today. Uh, They're publishing powerhouses as well. Sharing their writer's routine are Elizabeth Foley and Beth Coates. Uh, They've done homework for grown-ups, advanced homework for grown-ups, Shakespeare for grown-ups, and they're back with What Would Boudicca Do? Which, although it's being labelled as novelty non-fiction, that's what they say to me in the chat that you'll hear in a sec I think it's got a bit more weight to it it's all about how the most remarkable women in history how they'd solve everyday 21st century problems you can find out more about how they had the idea for the book during the chat where it came from and how they managed to align their work across the day so perfectly so they were almost non-stop for 24 hours to make it the most efficient that it could be also they've published loads of books together So we'll hear how their writing has developed from frantic Saturdays rushing back to the office to now being working parents and trying to find any spare hour of the day that they can write in. And as this is a book about strong, nasty women, and we're a year on now from the Weinstein allegations and the start of the Me Too movement, you can hear what else they think needs to be done for equality, because there's a long way to go. Ian Rankin as well, one of the world's most successful crime authors. He'll be back on the show halfway through with his tip that could change the way that you work forever. And stick around, I've got details in just a little bit of how you could win $2,000 worth of book marketing. That's on the way after we catch up with Elizabeth Foley and Beth Coates, beginning as always with what they see around them in the place where they sit down to write. And Beth starts us off. So I work, I work in a spe- in a bedroom as well, which is also where I hang all my laundry. So I'm normally like permeated with smells of washing detergent. Um, but it's got nice white walls and nice clean kind of calm pictures everywhere. So it's very, it's a calm space. Uh, but what colour are the walls? White, white walls? And white, white. Actually, they're sort of very pale grey and then very pale grey floors as well. So it's all, it's all, yeah, very sort of calm, 
uh, pale colours. Have you got any books lining the shelves behind you or is it pretty sparse? My books are all downstairs so it's quite sparse. I think I get distracted by books mm. if I have them around me while I'm writing. I didn't know that's where you wrote. That's yeah. actually quite interesting that okay. you have a kind of nice zen <laughs> scenario. <laughs> yeah. Just like the opposite of is what it? mine usually What's is. It? So yeah. have you got books around yours? Yeah, so in the bedroom where I do some, I quite like to actually type in bed a lot of the time. Do you? Yeah, any possible opportunity. I also what, edit lying, in bed. Lying back? Sitting in bed. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I mean that's quite relaxing that's my bedroom but there are loads of books in it but quite a lot of the research and stuff for this book was done in my living room with my children watching Disney films on the telly (laughs) (laughs) so that's the opposite of your zen yeah white wow (laughs) did you find any Disney film was particularly good at keeping the cogs turning well the ones that I know really well I can then fade out very easily. So Moana, I'm very happy to work while Moana is on because I know that so well that my brain doesn't try and listen to it. Yeah. Do you think there are any similarities in in the way that you're you're working in these rooms when you are doing it individually or is that why maybe you've been attracted to work to each other because you work in similar ways well we've we've worked together now for about uh well we've worked together together in our day jobs for about 20 years and we've been writing together for about 10 of those years and it's totally changed hasn't it the way that we write over that over that decade so when we first started out we were both assistants we had no responsibilities (laughs) uh, we were very carefree and we wrote in the most brilliant way well it was the best way I thought I, yeah, the most enjoyable, enjoyable. Way, way where we would come into our office um, on weekends and in evenings and we would sit side by side and we'd literally write every sentence together yeah and that was and wonderful it. and discuss and order word. curry from next door yeah and just spend our life doing that and it was great wasn't it yeah. and then obviously life has sort of got in the way and we have responsibilities which mean we can't do that every weekend so now we write in a quite kind of quite different way which is that we portion it out yeah and um, we portion the work out and then we very he- heavily kind of edit each other we yeah. sort of swap we swap we swap each other's pieces and he- heavily edit each other yeah and our day jobs in our day jobs we are editors so it's one of the things that we really love doing the most it's so let's talk about the first book that you mm. wrote together then when you say you know you come here in weekends yeah. And yeah. on weeknights while you're eating curry. Yeah. What was the very first idea for a story uh, or a book that you had to write so, together? Yeah, the first book was Homework for Grown Ups and that came out of a kind of like a dinner, a rather drunken dinner that we had with some <laughs> friends where we were talking about how when we were at school we were really clever mm. and we knew all of this stuff. Like when you're doing your GCSEs particularly, you have like this broad range yeah, of information. All the subjects. Yeah. And then it's just gone when you're a grown up and you specialise so much that you forget all the science you learned in mm. my case biology being like the only why is the sky blue yeah. what is e equals mc squares so we what we set out to kind of re-educate ourselves and also kind of put the school lessons in a sort of accessible yeah kind of quite fun, funny, way. fun way so that book's called homework for grown-ups everything you learned at school and promptly forgot and it's supposed to kind of reteach you the things you learned at school. So if you've got this this idea for, mm. as you say, to reteach what you learn at school, how are you then planning that? Because, y- you know, we're at school for eight years mm. now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we're in secondary school. Yeah. Uh, yeah. How are you condensing so, all of that into a few hundred pages? <laughs> well, so we looked at, we did look at the curriculum, yeah. didn't we? And we, we knew we, we wanted, wanted to divide it, it into subjects. Yeah. And we knew we wanted it to be like genuinely helpful. 
yeah. for parents who, or kind of kids who were, or yeah, parents, I suppose, who were trying to teach their kids. But we wanted it to have a sort of nostalgic feel as well. So we wanted it to be the things that we genuinely were interested in that we'd forgotten yeah. from school, like those big questions about thermodynamics and things yeah. like that. So we, we didn't want to... Yeah, we didn't want civilization. It, yeah, we and, didn't want it to yeah. be too dry. So we ju- so basically we kind of put the stuff in that we thought was interesting and that we felt we'd forgotten that we remembered or remembered that we'd forgotten. Yeah. <laughs> whichever we remembered. And how did you know what you would be sitting down to write every time you met up t- at the weekend to get stuff mm. down? Did you have a thorough plan at all? We did plan it yeah. out. We had a structure, so we knew we were going to do a chapter on maths and a chapter <laughs> on geography and a chapter on history and then we talked a lot about what the kind of essential points in those chapters would mm. be and the book's kind of laid out in lots of different ways so some of it is kind of you know lists of kings and queens and some of it is descriptions of Shakespeare plays so it's mm. in lots of different forms mm. and it was just through that constant discussion of sitting next to each other yeah. constantly having a conversation about yeah. it and then writing down bits of it and planning it out that way that it very organically grew Yeah, but it ended up being much longer than we expected so it? much longer yeah, it's about twice as long as it was supposed to be <laughs> yeah because yeah. we couldn't there were so many things that kept popping up which you thought, oh we've got to have that in as well and and then it was difficult to trim stuff out as well and you talk to people around you and your friends and they're like oh the thing that i really want to know is yeah. about you know what i did for french conversation when yeah. i was 12 and yeah. then you start putting that stuff back yeah. in as well if you're writing together at the start as you say line by line sentence by sentence it must be quite um quite an inefficient way of very <laughs> of, of, of writing how much do you reckon spitballing you would get done f- oh. for a good session writing together in a day oh gosh I don't it, know it varied didn't it we'd have it some really vary. productive days and some days where we didn't like I remember really vividly trying to do like the maths and the physics chapters which were really hard for both of us because we're those we're are arts the subjects yeah, so yeah. those are the subjects we find the hardest and that that was difficult, that wasn't it? And then time. you'd have these brilliant days where, like you say, we were condensing the Shakespeare plays and that felt really fun. Yeah. And that sort of flowed a lot quicker, didn't it? And one of the things actually is that we found, which is purely luck, is that we don't really argue and disagree. So no. in none of the... We've done like five books now and we've never had an argument yet. No, we There's always time. Right. <laughs> we've never had an argument yet about it. So it wasn't like every sentence was contentious and we had to go no I want to use this adjective Mm. and have a fight about Mm. it it kind of very quickly we found that we had a voice that is our joint voice yes like we're both kind of quite naturally averse to exclamation marks for example yeah um, and we um, both use the word amazing too do, much we so we know to edit much. that out yeah. of each other and we I, th- I suppose we both prefer like a I don't know we prefer things as straightforward as possible and I think yeah. that comes from the fact that we're editors and we sort of look at a sentence and its meaning and what it what sort of weight it carries and where it can be trimmed I think that's naturally and I suppose we all yeah we have that base level of this being our day job so we know the format of being edited and Mm. editing and you know that your editor has you know the best wishes for the work and so when we're editing each other it all comes from a good place yeah it comes from a good place that's right not a critical place I think it is helpful to be really open to editing. I mean, I love being edited yeah. by Beth because I can see I waffle on for ages and ages, and she just slashes lots of my <laughs> waffle. And, no, and you're very good at, my, at dealing with my repetition and putting things in a much more clear order. But I agree. I think it's like um, you ca- you're keeping in mind all the time that essentially the end goal is to make it better. Yeah. So it's not a kind of ego thing. It's not somebody trying to put their words on top of yours. It's just, yeah. it's just trying to get the meaning as clear for the reader. And obviously, the books that we're writing are non kind of novelty non-fiction books so it's not like this is you know like our five years of our experience being put into a beautiful novel state of the nation novel Mm. that probably it would be impossible to write that together Mm. but it's not that kind of a book Mm. it's you know it's a sort of an editing kind of book Mm. does the fact that you are editors 
is it affecting the way that you're writing each word? Because you think, well, if if one of my authors was writing this, I'd absolutely cut it out. Are you really strictly going through it in the process of writing? I'm not sure. I think a lot of, I don't know about you, but a lot of what I try and do is just get it down first. And then the process of like refining it myself before I send it to you for editing is like, I just think partly I I have that thing of the blank page is really scary. So I just think, just get it down no matter what it is just make the points that you want to make and then you can go back and rewrite and rework I don't worry about trying to do that first off I I sort of want to make sure that what I send to you is is in a decent-ish nick but in terms of facing the blank page I just want to get it down and then rework and rework so I'm not thinking about it from the very first words that I put down to be perfect exactly and for what would Buddha could do as well it was very you know they were because we've got 50 mini biographies of the women in the book Mm. there was a very clear like Research, you know, do the research first, get your research down, then get it into a like first draft of getting all that information, then try and put it into something that is entertaining and has a narrative. Mm. And mm. so we'd go through those steps separately mm. and then swap them over mm. and try yes. and you know, spot each other's blind spots. Yeah, at that exactly. Point. Uh, so you started with homework for grown ups, then you've moved, you've done Shakespeare for grown ups mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Um, you mentioned at the start that the process of writing for both of you together has changed mm. you're no longer coming into the office on a Saturday no. <laughs> um, how much of that was a conscious decision and how much of that just grew organically because of things that were going on in your life I think almost entirely to do with that things going on yeah. in our lives so we both have three children small, three small children and it just means that you can't give up that that time so a lot of the subsequent books were written around nap times yep. around school pickups around that sort of stuff that, that just comes into your into your life and it's which actually would I think was quite helpful certainly I found with Boudicca because I'd have that Disney film length time to do a certain (laughs) amount of work you have to get you know a certain amount of research done in that time or you have to just rush that as you're saying the whole blank page thing you have to get the first draft down in the two hours that you've got you can't spend two hours angsting about it no so (laughs) in a way that's quite liberating I think lots of people struggle when you've got endless time I think a lot of the professional full-time writers we work with when you when that's your whole job actually that means that you have this limitless thing yeah. that you can just kind of keep thinking and researching forever and ever mm. and ever and, and obviously like you said for novels that is think- yeah. thinking time is writing time right so, yeah but and it's for, creation it's creative in that yeah. way but for us you know as Liz said you know we're writing kind of accessible hopefully funny non-fiction so it is it's that you, you can almost do it to a sort of timeline yeah and yeah like I definitely still would do if I was feeling stuck even in that nap time I'd just get up and walk away from my desk and wander around the house and have a think or do something yeah. and, and and spend that thinking time and get away from the desk and the yeah I think I did that. that on my bike rides did quite you? a lot like yeah. thinking about how to make unlock each a narrative. person yeah. yeah and make make her fit a particular yeah. unlock a woman and make her fit a modern dilemma yeah. which is what we're trying to do in the book. Well, I'm sorry to say that it came out of our sort of pain at the American elections about 18 months ago. Um, we were watching, I guess it's no, more than 18 months, we were watching the women's marches in this direct aftermath of, of the elections and we were really struck by these incredible signs reclaiming the term nasty women. So we kind of think of this book as a book of nasty women. We wanted to sort of recalibrate this idea of sort of strong fierce, not difficult, but kind of full-on women through history. And we wanted to take it a step further and say, can these women actually help us directly in almost like an agony aunt kind of thing? 
because obviously their stories are inspiring just because they are world changing women um, and we particularly wanted to have women from different countries and backgrounds and through different periods in history but we then the kind of key thing which we discussed with our editor was this idea of can we match a woman from history with a modern problem and can their story tell us something about that particular modern problem so so we have people like Emily Dickinson on defying FOMO yeah um, we have Mae West on body positivity yeah. we've got Josephine Baker on work-life balance Grace Hopper on failure yeah yeah so yeah that was the idea to link yeah. them to modern dilemmas so yeah. you've got that in your mind then what do you do do you, do you sit down together uh, over yeah. a desk do you brainstorm what happens yeah we do we start making lists yeah we? loads of lists so this book particularly there are so many we only could do 50 or we decided 50 was the right number to have in it and yet we have this whole other document called Spare Ladies which has like 293 other women in it that but could every have day been, it gets more and, it it gets gets, and we keep and filling it up because every day you read something new about an amazing woman from history that you haven't or we're talking of. to we're doing we're talking to people about this book and someone will say oh have you got so and so in there and it's yeah. another person to add to the list so yeah. so that's a kind of ever growing list and then we also had a separate list which was our dilemmas our yeah. sort of like modern dilemmas that we thought we should probably answer yeah um, and then then it was kind of interesting because I suppose you, you'd immediately think, oh, I don't know, Elizabeth I is perfect on public speaking. She yeah. just makes immediate sense and that's fine dealt with. Yeah. And then other women who we knew we definitely wanted to have in, it would become quite obvious in the research. You just have yeah. find this little spark point yeah. that would fit with a, with a problem. Yeah, um, but the best ones were surprising, weren't they? So yeah. Isabella Beaton was a really good yeah, one. Yeah, Isabella Beaton was, um, we do her on imposter syndrome um, because it turns out, so she's this, you know, she wrote Mrs. Beaton's book of household management which is this sort of bible of um, domestic, domestic kind of perfection um, but in fact and I had this image of her as this kind of matronly lady running around a grand home and shouting at the servants in fact she was really young she was a, and she was a journalist and an editor a writer she died when she was 28 mm. which I was really shocked by but the main thing about her is that she couldn't cook she absolutely couldn't cook in fact she like the first recipe she published she got in loads of trouble because she missed out flour for a cake recipe for a cake recipe yeah. so she was genuinely an imposter but it didn't seem to sort of bother her in the same way that imposter syndrome seems yeah. to bother us so, so she matched that problem really well really neatly for us. Yeah, yeah exactly and there were, there were a few like that weren't there where yeah. it just was like you, that little spark would go off and yeah. think, oh, she'd be perfect for that one yeah. some of those aren't so obvious though. If, if you've made this long list of yeah. you know problems that we all have as you say imposter syndrome um, FOMO your fear yeah. of missing out <laughs> how do you know where to start with your research like which um, woman in history mm. is the most relevant to, we to went explain down this issue a lot of dead ends mm. so we would there were women so there are women in that aren't in the book that we feel guilty about like Marie Curie because we couldn't find something in her story that matched mm. one of the problems that we thought we wanted Mary to Queen explore. Mary Queen of Scots I feel really guilty yeah. about and actually in retrospect there are things we could have put because she she constantly picked the wrong partner okay so we yeah. can definitely do things about that but anyway we've got dorothy parker on that though yeah we, we have you're thing. right yeah, we yeah. have that we have got her on that. but um yeah like you say we went down lots of dead ends didn't we and yeah. there, there are women who we who we complete who we did research and, and actually write who then didn't make the final cut. yeah like mother Teresa, for example yeah. came she did she was in at one point and then came com- came out our yeah. editor thought maybe she maybe there was somebody else that would well we had we place. replaced her with a pirate so <laughs> we replaced the saint with the pirate yeah, so Gronya o'malley we have on work-life balance because she was this amazing Irish pirate who um, managed an entire sort of protection racket enterprise at the same time as quite a tricky family. Mm. Um, So, because that part of that was making sure that we had 
a variety of women from a variety of places mm. and in a variety of disciplines. Yeah, we were trying to hold that in our heads as well. We didn't yeah. want it all to be sort of white Victorian writers. Which is, which is who we initially, in our first list, those are the people that we know the most about because yeah. we studied literature yeah. and because we're in, you know, we're around writers all the time. And there's so much research that's available and it's who we learned about at school. Um, so, you know, it was obvious to have Queen Victoria and people like that in there, but we wanted to make sure we had some people that weren't as well known mm. as well. It seems like your research could be a bit never-ending, really, especially yeah. because it's it's almost like you are searching a giant haystack for that tiny needle yeah. to make it relevant yeah. um, for, for the quality or the problem that you need to talk about. Mm. Did you come up with any method to make it easier for you to do mm. when, when you're searching uh, Queen Victoria's story yeah. for, for something just to make it relevant for a problem that you've well, got? Well, you were very good on setting yourself. You timed yourself, didn't you? At certain, you were like, I'm not going to spend this much time reading about this person. Yeah. If there's nothing there, then we move on to the yeah, next one. Exactly. Yeah, because because particularly with somebody like Queen Victoria, there's so yeah. much obviously there, and her story kind of, you know, you could have written about her with five different dilemmas, yes. I suppose. And there were a few women like that, weren't yeah. there, where we could have had the same woman answer many different problems yeah. and then we just had to we see just had to be really useful. strict with ourselves because like yeah. you say otherwise you just end up down a huge wormhole of research yeah. and time and and actually in a way we had a very strict word count didn't we we yeah. didn't want each, each woman could be no more than a thousand words yeah. and that gives that brings a sort of rigor to it i yeah. suppose which which was good for us to have because yeah. i think our minds are genuine are sort of genuinely quite curious so i think it's quite easy for us to get distracted yeah. or so for it's me, all anyway. about boundaries isn't it yeah. for us it's like if we have enough, if we set ourselves enough boundaries, <laughs> yeah. then we can work within them yeah, efficiently. Exactly. That's it. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. We'll be back with more from Elizabeth and Beth in a little bit. We've also got a top writing tip that may change the way that you work forever coming from Ian Rankin in a sec. First, just a very quick reminder, we've teamed up with the Writer's Block Virtual Book Festival to offer you $2,000 worth of book marketing prizes. It's a story competition running across blogs and on Twitter where you can win a book trailer made just for you. You can get reviews from book YouTubers, help from editors, you'll win a book tour. You can even be interviewed about how you 
wrote your story on this very book podcast. To get involved, to enter and to try and win the Writer's Block Virtual Book Festival, you need to get on Twitter and find The Novelette. She's on there as at The Novelette. T-H-E-N-O-V-E-L-E-T-T-E. She's running it. She'll be able to tell you everything that you need to know. Right, it's time for this week's writing tip that may change the way that you work forever. And we're calling on one of the most successful crime authors still working today, the creator of the literature and cultural icon, John Rebus, who wants you to write as often as you can. Hi, my name's Ian Rankin. My latest book out now is In a House of Lies. My writing tip actually goes right back to the very beginning of my life as a writer. My sister gave me a page a day diary when I was 11. And I felt obliged to fill every single line of that diary every day. Um, now, not much went on in my life, so I just had to I just had to make stuff up. And so I wrote every day. I wrote something every day. And I think that is my tip: is diary or not, a journal or not, whatever it is, write something every day. And it just gets your writing muscle, your writing brain going, and eventually ideas start to flow. Yes, thank you so much to Ian for coming on the show. You can get more tips and tricks with him, helping you with your writing every single day. Uh, We've got the full chat with him on last week's Writer's Routine. Um, And his brand new book, the 22nd in his Reba series, it's called In a House of Lies. It's out right now. You can find all the details that you need over at writersroutine.com. Let's get back to this week's guests then. Sharing their writer's routine, it's the editors and now authors, Elizabeth Foley and Beth Coates. They write novelty non-fiction for adults and their new book, I think it's something a little bit meatier. You know, it shows how everyday 21st century problems would be solved by some of history's most remarkable women. It's called What Would Boudicca Do? It's out right now and they're telling us all about how they got together, how they had the idea, how they finally got it down onto paper. And we pick things up talking about tone because they're dealing with really smart stuff here, you know, thoroughly smart stuff. But there's loads of it. And it could easily be a bit overwhelming. So how did they go about making it readable and accessible to everyone? We really didn't want it to feel like a sort of dry history at mm. all. What we were, what the aim of this book is to is to make these sort of women feel really accessible, really relevant to a particular readership. We think, you know, sort of young younger women and mm. working women and non-working women. But you know, we did we definitely didn't we definitely didn't want to tell the whole life story because no. you can't in that in that framework. And we wanted it to have a particular focus and a particular slant that felt relevant and exciting. And so there are probably loads of bi- biographical details that we missed yeah, out. That we ha- and that we edited out. I mean, yeah. lots of these entries were much longer and mm. got edited down. And another thing that we did quite a lot of editing on is that both of us quite liked running away with ourselves on our <laughs> fun writing about the problem, mm. which is the introductory bit of each one tends to focus around what is the problem yeah. and how is it Like an agony on col- column yeah. almost, exactly. And so those were very fun bits to write, but we had to like, you know, kill our darlings a bit on those and like <laughs> yeah. cut them right back. Yeah. But we did, yeah, we did want to make sure we had a sense of the shape of each woman's life, but always bring it back to the problem. And mm. the other thing that was really important to us is that we wanted to include the bad stuff they did. Yes. So that's a really key part of we didn't want to sugarcoat these women like it's really important to us that we showed that they were like complex and flawed some of them really deeply flawed yeah um and yeah, some of them were kind of alcoholics. Some yeah. of them were terrible mothers. Bad some of them feminists. were murderers. Yeah. Some of them were uh, yeah. racist. You know, yeah. they, like we were, we were really, and we were really keen that that wasn't sort of whitewashed out of their histories as well. So that those, I suppose, so in there a were sense, things we had to keep in. Yeah, that we wanted to have that picture of them as a complete and complex person, mm. but obviously in a very, very 
concise form. Yeah. <laughs> what about the language that you use then? Because mm. it's written in a very casual, very mm-hmm. informal style, as you yeah. said earlier, novelty, non-fiction, I yeah. think it's how you described it. <laughs> yeah. How much did, did you discuss between the two of you the tone of the story you mentioned earlier about yeah. this collective voice that you've got yeah. um, how much do you have to flesh that out and work on yeah. how you're actually telling the stories I mean I think probably both of our instincts as Liz said is to go more full on mm. than what ended up in the book yeah so our editor also worked on taking out some yeah. of our more extreme <laughs> yeah. language and then we sort of yeah. tone each other down I think a bit and, and I think as Liz said we don't fight we don't argue we really genuinely don't but what I think we're quite good at is going oh does that sound a bit lame yeah <laughs> that and tends to be our yeah. edit to each other is, <laughs> is this lame <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> but I think we're not frightened of, of pointing that. that out to yeah. each other and I think we sort of trust our instincts when something yeah. s- sounds a sort of duff note then I think we're kind of yeah um, but yeah, our yeah, editor also took out that. some of the swear. There was, was a lot of more swearing. There was more in the swearing, first wasn't there? There's still some swearing in this one, but there's, there was a lot more swearing in the first one because both of us swear a lot. Yeah. So. But actually, the register of this is quite different to the homework for grown-ups mm. books, which are a bit more sober. This is more kind of in a very contemporary colloquial style. Mm. It is quite a different register. The homework for grown-ups. What we sort of wanted to do was adopt a persona of a, a kind of. Uh, school mommy, but, wasn't it? But kind bit. of quite strict school mom yeah. who didn't take any nonsense in yeah. it. That was our sort of. We this is like more friendly. Yeah. Yeah. This is more friendly. But yeah. I think the kind of books they are, they are similar in that it's giving you kind of information in what's hopefully an entertaining way and an, and an accessible way yeah. and you know we're not claiming to be experts you know we are not science experts we're not kind of academics who know all about yeah. Queen Victoria or Queen Elizabeth what we're trying to do is digest this um, these big bits of information and sort of condense them in a way that feels quite fun and accessible to, to a general reader and I think that's true hopefully yeah, that's there were things true. we loved about like so when we were doing researching Agatha Christie we loved finding out that she was the first British woman to surf standing up yeah. and that was a fact that really appealed to us so we put it in the book so really we you know from that research we were picking the stuff that entertained us yeah. and hopefully it means it will and entertain and that was the same with Homework for Grown Ups and yeah, Shakespeare it was. for Grown Ups it was those little moments that made us kind of stop and think so hopefully that's the same I'm really curious about tone that's mm. what interests me yeah. most when I speak to authors mm. and y- y- you said for your first book that you wanted to adopt this this matronly mm. uh, headmistress mom mm, yeah. type of voice and it's different to what would Boudicca do how much do you have to consciously think about the voice in which you are writing those two different stories mm. uh, th- those two different books when you are getting them down do, do, do you find yourself wanting to be writing one way and then you think hang on I th- maybe for I this think I need the to material sort of leads you doesn't it does it, but also I think the further you get into a project the more natural that becomes yeah. like I think maybe it was more of an effort when we first started Boudicca to keep the, or to keep reminding ourselves that that was the voice and yeah. then I think and then I think you, you 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 do you adopt it and actually I think genuinely for both of us we actually completely like we've become much more sort of strident feminists over the course of writing this book haven't <laughs> yeah. we yeah in a sense like we're well, kind the of whole we world are, has changed yeah the whole world started, has changed no you know, that's for true but, I, but I do think it. it's a kind of there's a progress thing isn't there so when you start yeah. probably the effort is mar- marginally yeah more, to set that tone to set the tone but then quite quickly again and part of the sort of the way that we you know really love to edit each other mm part of that was all about tone was like going hang on here have we maybe lost mm. the fun 
tone mm. and it's gone a little bit dry mm. or here have we gone into maybe a homeworky kind of yeah. tone and then just bringing it back yeah we came across this thing this time round, which was which was another way of us working perfectly together which yeah. is that Liz likes to write likes to write and edit late at night yeah and I like to do it very early in the morning so we're kind of like a 24 hour machine yeah we are so I would do like a like a first, like a second draft or something to send to Beth and I'll do that when I get home from work after I've put the kids to bed yeah. and I'll do that late into the night Whereas, what, and but, then uh, for me at that time of day I'm slack jawed in front of the TV and yeah. I cannot do anything but what I can do is get up very early so in the you morning get up at like I four in the morning sometimes, yeah, sometimes to then edit that thing that I've sent you at yeah, one in the morning one in the morning exactly yeah <laughs> so yeah. yeah it works perfectly yeah. in that way because then by the that afternoon we, we have like another draft of it to talk about yeah. so. so it worked yeah. well in the timings I don't know how that happened but anyway again that's just the kind of luck of it <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and have you got any eccentricities, maybe quirks to the, that help you work when you're writing? I've spoken to authors that need to listen to a particular song mm. on Spotify that have to use the same pen when they're writing. Have you got any uh, Do you listen to music? I don't oh, you listen to, to football, don't you? I, yeah, I listen, to, I listen to Five Live and I listen to football. Sorry, I should, probably shouldn't advertise, but I listen to... <laughs> I can listen to sport and football and that doesn't distract me. That's kind of like a really nice background noise. But music I find really distracting. Yeah. Um, I can't do that at all. Yeah. Um, I don't know about you. Would you I can know? do it. I can do like the hubbub of like life going on around mm. me. But again, if there's something on the radio that I kind of key into, then I can't work properly. Yeah. So then. But I've yeah. Also, the other thing I realised over the course of doing this is I prefer to handwrite first mm. and then get the sort of facts down handwritten and then put that then type that feels mm. like an easier way to me if I start ty- if I start off by typing then I just get really distracted by the internet basically mm. <laughs> so you, you have mean? to lock I yourself, have to lock out, myself of out of like the uh, digital world and handwrite stuff down mm. get the facts written down and then I can kind of t- transcribe that into a document yeah I'll have quite a lot of listeners that mm. have got a book mm-hmm. they've, they've written it they just yeah. can't get it out there mm-hmm. yeah uh, you yourselves working in publishing mm-hmm. before you had even started writing your first yeah. book yeah did you find it if, you, if you're being honest do you think it was easier for you to get it published because you worked in the industry yes. it was yeah I'm yeah. sure it was yeah. I'm sure it was yeah yeah well because we're <laughs> part of our job is to know what publishers are looking for yeah and be keyed into that so you we know we had that advantage and also we it is that thing where we knew people to talk to we knew which editors would like what we were doing what, yeah which ones were so publishing. that information we had to hand so I would say that definitely I mean there's no pretending that we started no. from the same no place. but equally just to defend our position a bit yeah. we are published by like really good publishers yeah, yeah. Like we're published by really high-end publishers who wouldn't take on any old rubbish just because it was us oh yeah so no one's doing us a favor no, no one's doing us a favor but it was something we had to pitch in the same way that anyone else had to pitch like we had to do write a proposal we had to write a letter that explained what we thought the market for the book was mm. but we probably knew how to write that letter better because we're reading those letters from authors all yeah. the time and we and what we didn't have to do was um have a have an agent yes so i think for a lot of authors what they need in terms of shaping their book or shaping their pitch to publishers yeah. is a literary agent who can come in and give them loads of advice and tell them which publisher would would suit them, which editor is looking for that kind yeah. of work. And handle fiction, the business side of it And handle well. the business side. And we were able to do that for ourselves because we know it very well. So we don't have an agent. Yeah. Weirdly, I think it's become more and more and more relevant. Like yeah. when we started writing it, genuinely, the Me Too movement hadn't 
begun, have begun so Weinstein wasn't happened. a thing that was something we kind of came back to yeah, later Yeah so we've on. got an entry on Hedy Lamarr where she has an amazing quote about being in Hollywood and, and what your kind of casting couch approach to success should be that mm. we kind of put in and because it felt so much like it's suddenly was really relevant now. and I think every you know almost every day we're sort of sending each other things going oh what would so and so do in this instance yeah. so I mean you know every time I wake up in the morning and listen to some other rubbish that's been going down in America I still I'm thinking yeah. again about this book and how relevant it is and you know like we we say you know it's a really noisy conversation that's going on there are a lot of people writing into it there are a lot of people yeah. making films into it there's a lot of art going into it but it's necessarily a really noisy conversation and we're really proud yeah. to be part of that I think yeah. do you think on occasion how noisy it is can be distracting from the actual message of what needs to cut through see this is an interesting one because actually we when we've been doing kind of talking about the book we talk about Boudicca so the title um, woman is um, on the subject of sticking up for yourself and part of what we say about that is Boudicca's response to kind of horrific maltreatment by the Romans was to like burn lots of cities to the ground so an extreme she was definitely would have been criticised for an extreme response and Obviously, we're not in the book recommending that everybody emulates Boudicca exactly with all the disemboweling and the arson. (laughs) But we do say, you know, when there have been severe injustices, there should be a noisy, there should be, and and she wasn't worried about causing a scene. And quite often the criticism of things like the Me Too movement is, is, oh, it's a bit shrieky, it's causing a scene. But sometimes extreme disrespect warrants an extreme response. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think I completely stand by that. But not well. setting not fire to Colchester. No, quite right. Yeah. <laughs> right, thank you so much to Elizabeth and Beth. That is it for this week's Writer's Routine. A massive thank you to you as well for giving us a listen. You can find out loads more about their book, What Would Boudicca Do? We've got all the details that you need over at writersroutine.com. And while you're on there, you can find all the episodes that we've done so far. Over 40 interviews with some of the best authors around, including Karen Slaughter, Anthony Horowitz, AJ Finn, uh, Garrod Conley, whose book Boy Erased. Uh, it's coming out as a film. It might even be out as you're listening to this now. Uh, you can find out how he wrote that by listening to his chat on writer's routine and remember you can get in touch with us here on the show as well while you're on the website writersroutine.com also if you'd like to support the show and to help out your own writing day you can get 20 percent off the amazing writing software scrivener just use the code routine r-o-u-t-i-n-e while you're buying it over at literatureandlatte.com if you can as well please if you've got a spare five seconds and you want to help out this show leave a review for us for writers routine over on the itunes podcast store uh, five stars and a subscription would really help things out too and it'll also help you out because it means that by subscribing you get next week's episode where we chat to Cecilia Ahern one of the most famous novelists in the world if you subscribe it will download automatically for you and appear in your podcast feed without having without you having to do anything next week that's when it's out I'll see you then on Writer's Routine bye Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.